0: The Walk Pod, post-match phone-in, 24 hours later, we're looking at the game Luton Town 2, Man City 6, and a little bit later as well, we're going to be previewing the Aston Villa game, we got a lad for coming on from, uh, for the love of Paul McGrath pod, uh, so he's going to take us through Aston Villa, um, might as well pick up and start talking about the game, really. Um, Just my thoughts on it. I don't think it was as bad as everyone on social media is making it out to be. I think everyone's maybe blowing it out of proportion just a tad. Look, Man City are a very good team. We got it back to 3-2. And they just kept undoing us with... The same pass every single time. Um, that that De Bruyne to Haaland pass, and one thing that struck me about Erling Haaland, like that, that's the first time I've ever seen him play in the flesh, and he's so fast. His acceleration is unlike anything I've seen from a man of that size. Uh, the, the mechanics of how he runs is just extraordinary. And it was interesting because the way he would he'd do it was um, he'd sort of back into Ted And, Menge, and then he'd wait for, for um, De Bruyne. He'd play it back to Kevin De Bruyne. They, De Bruyne would just play it straight away. And, and Erling Haaland had already spun off. He was running behind every single time. And Mengi did all right. Sometimes he got back and managed to, you know, win the ball back. But otherwise, crikey, you know, Haaland is probably the best striker on the planet right now. And he was, he was ruthless. He was so ruthless. I can see how he bagged so many goals in the Premier League. We just haven't seen it against us until yesterday. Um. Look, if anyone wants to uh, jump on and and give us their thoughts, please do. Uh, I'll bring in Christian now. uh, He can give us his thoughts from across the pond. Good evening, Christian. How was that for you? It was pretty, you know, unrelenting, wasn't it, at times?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I think we all went in knowing that, hey, it's Man City. They have Holland he costs them you know nine figures it's going to be tough man what we do it's going to be tough and uh, i got to say you know when they were two up i think what like 13 14 minutes in whatever it was uh, i was like okay kind of expected that um but then clark you know you know having that having that very long um, goal from i think i mean i i think he shot it from outside the box and if memory serves and I believe that that's the first goal that we have from outside the box this season. But, um, you know, you know, I kind of agree with you. I don't, I don't really think it was as bad as a lot of people are making it out to be. I mean, yes, it was six to Holland scored five. De Bruyne had five assists, but it's man city. They have more money than pretty much any other team on the planet. They're willing to spend whatever it takes to win. And, they still led up two to us. So unfortunately we're out of the FA cup, but I was also doing some looking and this is only the second time Luton town has made it to the fifth round since making their return to the football league. So it's not often Luton town gets as far as this and they surely put up a really good fight to get this far. They put up a good fight last night, even though maybe the defense wasn't as good as it should have been, but there's there's improvement to look at. Uh, Dowdy's crosses were good again. He's had a few shockers this month. Uh, Abbane played good. Clark played amazing. The midfield was, I think, about as good as they have been lately. The defense had a shocker, and that's maybe not to be um, too surprised about. But I I think I think for what the game could have been and what it ended up being. I think we did good. I think that ultimately we need to start having people that can fill in those positions. Cause we have Eli out, uh, you know, uh, uh, Eli out of auto, out of bio. Ooh, can't speak. We have Lakanga out. out. Um, you know, we, you know, we need to find those people that can kind of fill in their places for the time being. And um, I don't know if Rob was going after that last night or not, but, but for at least the front three Jordan Clark he definitely impressed me and he's definitely somebody I would like to see out there some more if 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 we can get that to happen
0: yeah well look in the absence of Laconga I think moving forward it will be a midfield to Barkley and Clark yeah Clark worked really well look it's uh it is a tough one because there was a very clear game plan and it's something that we have been playing a lot more openly recently. I noticed right. in the game that uh, Corley Woodrow, who was um, obviously tasked with marking John Stones, he was often tracking back. And John Stones' crazy runs, he was Beckenbauer-esque in the sense that he was just coming out from defence and running through the... Without the ball, he was running through our entire team uh, like sort of as a roaming playmaker. It was... It was surreal at times to see a player doing that. And Woodrow was tracking him back. And sometimes Woodrow ended up being the furthest man back for us in the end, which is not what you want from a sense forward. But I guess if you try not get all. man-to-man for people, th- that that will happen. It will happen. I- I'll just correct you on two things, actually. So De Bruyne only got four assists. And Harland you know like only a... cost uh, man, United, uh, man City £35 million, which is actually pound for pound an absolute bargain he had a release in this contract from Borussia Dortmund.
2: All right then. Wow, that okay, that so that that's that that that's news to me. Also, now I think about it, you're right. De Bruyne did only have four assists. That, that that's right. Um a, a, actually actually I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it and 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 looking back at Holland's stats. Um he he's basically averaging like one goal a game for Man City. Um which, well, yeah. which, which is very impressive, but uh, despite all that, he's never scored against Luton Town in the Premier League, and that will remain a fact at least until April. So,
0: yeah, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tempt fate with that. <laughs> oh no, not at all. He hasn't, he, he hasn't played against us in the Premier League. And to be honest, he scores against most people in the Premier <laughs> League. I think so, this season he's actually he scored against every single Premier League team he has faced. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I I wouldn't, um, and it looks like he's finally hitting his stride after, you know, uh, that long injury layoff. But to be honest, I'm I'm happy that, you know, we only have to play them one more time. And to be honest, with, with the games against Man City, the top six in general, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, I'm writing them off before we even kick a ball with them, really. Because at the end of the day, those are the ones that, at the start of the season, we would be expected to lose. The The crucial games are coming up after the Aston Villa one. That's not to say that we won't get anything out of the Aston Villa game. Um, I feel the way we played yesterday, uh, and I'll talk about individual people before uh, we get uh, Adam Driscoll on. Um, some of the individual performances yesterday, there were very reassuring signs from um, you know, Daiki Hashioka, who, you know, he came on. And considering you know, as as the Luton Town social media account put it, playing against the best in the world, um, I don't. I'm not. I don't go in for that ass licking, uh, especially as like Luton Town social media have been doing that uh, quite a bit with Man City. Um, I thought he was really good. There was one moment when Carl Walker really opened up his legs and beat him to a ball, but other than that, I thought Daiki Hashioka was very tidy. Another bright spark was. Uh, Joe Johnson absolutely chuffed for him he's actually he's actually local to me in uh, you know where i live he's from my my end of the woods and um you know 18 coming on in the you know 38th minute for amari bell that is a concerning injury um because amari bell gives us that balance on the on the left side of defense and he has that pace but i feel joe johnson really put in good shift and I'm actually excited that he's in and around the squad because I'm trying to think since James Justin, have we actually had another youth player that's actually stepped up to the team? Adam Driscoll, what are your thoughts on yesterday and Joe Johnson making it into the first team? Good evening, mate. Hello, mate. How are you
3: doing? You all right? Yeah, doing very well. Thanks. Good man. Um, yeah, I mean, Joe. Joe Johnson, I thought he did really well, like everyone else, considering you are literally up against some of the best in the world uh, for, what, you know, the best part of an hour or something. Um, so he looks very good, really exciting. I think, you know, if we're not fortunate enough to stay in the in the Premier League, I can certainly see him being, um, well, certainly in the squad next season. Um, obviously, it depends on, you know, his position and who we keep or whatever. But he certainly looks like he's he's really going to make the grade for us at some point, which is great. Um, but generally, obviously, last night, yeah, I mean, there's there's levels, isn't there? And um, I think we we all feared when we saw their lineup, um, <laughs> basically what was going to happen. Um, they took it very seriously, didn't they? Yeah, they did, and that's fair play. I think you know that might have been they they had a tough game or a, a relatively tough game when they came to us earlier in the season. So I think they they basically wanted to get the job done. I was a bit surprised Harlan stayed on as long as he did. Um, and obviously, like most of us, not very thankful for that. But <laughs> I just goes to show, you know, the best striker in the world comes to us, smashes five goals in. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, we don't want to see Luton getting hammered, but we all want to see Luton playing against the best players in the world. So sometimes you have to just take a step back, appreciate what you've seen and... Um, yeah, and not worry too much about it, really. So that that was really my takeaway from yesterday.
0: Yeah, but don't you think we acquitted ourselves really well? Like, if you look at the stats, like Man City did not dominate the ball as everyone sort of assumes they would. That like, they had fifty eight percent possession, forty two for us, and we we sort of gave as good as we got. The only difference really was the clinical nature of. Haaland versus, you know, whoever we had up top. You know, I think it was Woodrow playing up top and Carlton Morris couldn't really get into the game too much. There were some excellent crosses that were flashed in by Doughty in the first half. You wouldn't have seen it because you're, you're up the other end in the Kenny end, aren't you? I am, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right in front of me, like Doughty flashed in a couple of crosses that were inch perfect. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we had eight shots on target and, and their, their goalkeeper... Um, to be honest, I had never even heard of him, Ortega, uh, Stefan Ortega. He's German. Oh, blimey, he's thirty-one. As well. <laughs> I, I I figured he was. Uh, I figured he was just some some product from their academy or something. Um, he was really decent. He made some decent stops in the you know to to prevent us from getting back into it. But obviously, there was nothing he could do with either of Clark's goals that were absolutely sensationally taken.
3: Oh god, yeah. I mean, that first goal. Uh, I mean, that's. I had a very good line from where I sit. Um, yeah. Front row, of the Kenny, and uh, as soon as it left his boot, I said to my dad, "That's in." Uh, that was a, a beautiful finish, and um, even the second one, you know, the little dink over from Barkley, um, for Clark to to put that in was was really good. I think at three two, I sort of said to my dad, "At least this isn't embarrassing," because uh, it. It was shaping up like it could have been. I still don't think it's embarrassing or anything. You know, we lost by four goals. And in reality, if someone said to me, for the thinking about the away league game at their place, if someone said to me, you're going to come out there with no points and a minus four goal difference, I'd be half tempted to t- to take it now. Um, you know, because they are really are just different level completely. So, um, yeah, I mean, as I say, it was just... You know, you're up against the world, The world's best. There's a reason that they are insanely good, obviously because they spend more money than cents. But um, clearly money gets you a long way these days. So uh, it's a lesson learned and we've had a decent cup run, to be fair. So, yeah, as long as we can, you know, focus on the league. I mean, injury-wise, you know, you mentioned just a minute ago about Bell. Um, That's a get- lot. Yeah, we're getting injuries at the wrong time of the season. Um, and i think particularly with like adebayo i don't know how you feel but it, it really does change the dy- dynamic of how we attack and our and our threat doesn't it um yeah
0: so 100% the, it does
3: yeah he's the one really that i i really think we need back obviously Laconga as well because he's just insanely good but um those two above you know any any defenders really for me are really going to be crucial um so, yeah, I'm not sure if we're going to see him on Saturday, are we? Uh,
0: no, I'm waiting to hear, um, get some news in. But I, I, I doubt that he'll be back for Saturday, um, from what I have heard already. Um, but you're right completely about it does change the dimension of how we attack. Because fundamentally, him and Corley Woodruff, look, Cordy's done really well. He shut me up. Um, because obviously I've I've been riding him pretty hard as as people on Twitter, be uh, enjoyed reminding me, um, but fundamentally yeah. it's very different because Elijah Adebayo when when the ball's coming in you'll find Elijah Adebayo at the back stick, yeah, nine times out of ten. Whereas Corley Woodrow prefers to drift to the edge of the box, and he's not a presence in the box. But you know as we saw against Liverpool, his hold up plays pretty tidy. But I, I don't think he's Premier League level at the end of the day. And unfortunately these injuries, as you say, have come at the wrong time. And, you know, that by by coming at the wrong time, I mean they've come after the transfer window is closed. Not that, you know, we would have done too much anyway. Um, but I, I feel with Sambi's loss, I think Sambi's loss isn't as big as loss as Elijah Adebayo, because Jordan Clark has shown that he is able to 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 do what Samby does
3: in midfield. Yeah, Clark kept in really well. Obviously took his goals uh exceptionally well. Um and he is he is a good player. I think Adebeo, as I said, like this, the dynamic changes completely. I mean, I I I can't I, I admire Woodrow for for giving everything he's got. Um you know and you can you know it's just because you've voiced an opinion on someone doesn't mean you're bashing them if you if you personally don't think they're at the level that we need you know i don't think Woodrow's at the level that we need but that's what we've got and he and he runs and he tries and he's you know he's a decent footballer i personally i would like to see morris as the central striker and then make use of um uh the wide men and i i know there's sort of very subjective as to what opinion, uh, what um, formation we're playing at the moment. Whether it's like two behind the striker or two wingers or whatever. I, I mentioned it earlier on in the tweet. I think with Kabore and Hashioka now back, you've got to push Ogbeni into a wide of a three, and you've got to play Morris down the middle as a striker. In, in my opinion, um, so yeah, I'd like to see that in the Villa game uh, as opposed to kind of Morris. Behind Woodrow.
0: Yeah, Ogbene did have um some very good displays a couple of games ago at right wing back, um, most notably against Newcastle, but he was up against Dan Byrne. I do feel his performances earlier on in the season when he was playing uh left wing, um, sort of in the inside forward role, he was he was unplayable before his injury. And I'd love to see him Link up on that side with Alfie Doughty
3: again. I just feel that that has to happen. I think I, um, I agree, and I, I do think to a certain extent. I don't know how well defensively it helps us having the two centre midfielders and then two in front of them, and then the one striker. I I think you get more work rate from your wingers, is in your your attacking wingers. Um, up and down the pitch to help out the wing-backs as well. So, uh, I, you know, I think part of the reason we've shipped a load of goals of late, even though we've, we've done well in attacking, is probably because we're playing that formation. Um, we do look a little 100%. bit exposed at times. Um, yeah,
0: 100%. Look, playing a flat two-man double pivot, it leaves you susceptible to exactly what we saw yesterday. Uh, we, we saw it against uh, Burnley in the home game as well, um, where a single ball just straight through the two and then if if their forward has more pace or strength than the center back that they're battling with to get to the ball yeah nine yeah. times out of 10 they are going to score a goal or in the case of Haaland 10 times out of 10 they're going to score a goal it, it's a, it's a very simple one it, it's it's one where whoever's in the middle of the defensive three has to be fully on it yeah, yeah. What, what, so, before we go over to Simon as well, um, what what do you make of this new um, 1v1 defensive shape that we've taken up, where we're entrusting <laughs> our defenders to... Because there's been a lot of
3: opinions about it on, on social media. I'll tell you mine afterwards. Well, look, I mean, it's great when, from the start of the game, your defender's clearly on top of the battle, because it means you can obviously commit more players forward. But... When it doesn't work, surely you have to look at it. I'm not, you I know, mean, I'm not slating Edwards at all, by the way. But surely you have to look at it when when the striker is on top of that battle and change it and go right, okay. And especially in the league game where there's obviously more riding on it, you'd have to look at it and go, okay, we, he's getting done here. We need to double up. Um, I appreciate I didn't want to do it last night. It doesn't really matter. Last night, we all know the story on Saturday. Ollie Watkins is going to be that sort of striker. He's going to be the, the, the hold up striker as well. Um, So if the centre-half is struggling against Watkins, then you need to stick someone else on it as well. And if it does mean that it takes away a little bit from us going forward, then so be it. I mean, we're still capable of scoring goals, but we can't be in a position where we're needing to score, you know, three or four goals um, to get something out of the game, particularly at this stage of the season. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. I think there's a time and a place for it, but if it's not working don't be afraid to be a little bit more uh, sensible with it is my opinion. Yeah, no, look, I completely agree.
0: Uh, I, I feel a lot of the, I, I like the, the one V one defending it. However, it has been described as kamikaze. Um, and a lot of the time, like you, you all have instances like, you know, Bell against man United where, you know, one error essentially leaves you a goal down and then a lucky deflection leaves you two down. And, you know, uh, and with Gabe against Sheffield United, an error in front of our box, you know, we concede. It It is it is one of those things that sort of does need to be looked at. Rob Edwards is sort of adamant that he is not going to change it. I feel a simple fix would be take one of the one of the three that's up top. You know, you can play Morrison behind Woodrow, but, you know, play just another man in midfield just so they don't have the option of, Playing straight through, yeah, um, it, you know it, it does make for exciting football, but I don't know if my heart can take uh, seeing Luton conceding three threes and fours every game for the
3: rest of the season. I
0: just <laughs> it'd, be a, it'd be a tough watch, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, of course well, it like, we don't, no one wants to see that. I, I'm not saying at all we we become a team that says, "All oh, right, okay, well, we're going to keep a clean sheet and be hard to beat," because. That we haven't done that from the start of the season and I still don't think we'll keep many clean sheets um so I'm I, you know I, I don't mind us being that risky team and and trying to be progressive but obviously as I said like last night when there's a clear situation where you're getting absolutely dominated every time and let's not forget Harlem probably missed like oh sorry cruel saved at least two attempts um in the first half he could have had about eight goals so there is that little bit of naivety at times that I think we need to kind of address in game, uh, if it's not quite going to plan.
0: Yeah. It is simple. Like, you know, for instance, last night, Chong, Chong could easily slot in like just in front of Barkley and Clark, maybe even rotate into, you know, you know, sort of fluidly move, change position, like sit in the middle, have Clark sit in the middle, have Barkley sit in the middle. Um, there were ways we could have adapted it in game, but I guess Man City was not the game to sort of try and adapt. Like we had a game plan, we played some good football and you know it it, it wasn't it wasn't the most painful watch. Like it wasn't as
3: painful as the scoreline, you know. No, sure. not at all. I mean we've not lost you know, we've not lost eight nil or we've not lost six nil or anything like that. Um, <laughs>
0: referencing those specific score
3: lines. Good thing oh, it wasn't no, the FA Cup final weekend. They just came from to the top of my head, mate. You know me. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's not the end of the world by any means. But i i would I would be amazed if we see the lineup on Saturday and we haven't started one of Hashi or Kabore, and we don't see um, a, a slight change, uh, probably with Woodrow coming out. I'll be I'll be very, very surprised if that is the case. Um, yeah. But we will have to wait and see until what half four on Saturday when the team news comes out yeah we
0: and we will wait last thing before we we kick over to simon got to ask about the the crowd surfing banner how did that go down um in the kenny ends because
3: it looks like you guys will struggle with it a little bit i've got to be honest with you i don't know what time it came out i was walking up from the pub so uh <laughs> we might need a tutorial for some people on how to hold a flag above their heads well it sounds like that anyway um, i don't
0: think it's going to come out again they're looking for a permanent home for it now
3: are they going to keep it where it was yesterday that wasn't. That was the Outlaws banner. Oh right. They, yeah. oh, okay. Right. Okay. I'm with you.
0: Um. I, I was told it would go in sort of that vicinity, like you know, by the TV studio. But I guess you can't have two Tom Lockyer flags like <laughs> next to each other. It, it's a big flag as well. you know, six meters by six meters. Yeah. I don't know where they're going to put it, but you know,
3: at the end of the day, I hope they, I hope they do. I'm sure yeah. they'll make they'll make use of it, and obviously it's a great idea and. Um... Uh, well done by you guys for, for sorting it all out as well. No, oh, well, thank, thank you very much, Ad.
0: Uh, appreciate that, mate. Um, but have a good evening. I'm going to kick this over to hashtag in Tom Lockie with trust, better known as Simon. How are you? Hello, mate. Yeah, How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How are you doing this evening?
1: Ireland's not hiding somewhere in here, is he? <laughs>
0: well, you know, you'll just burst out, terminate the running. I've got
1: PTSD, mate. Yeah.
0: Oof. Yeah,
1: my word!
0: What a game, no? It, it was a good game. It was um, it was more end than people sort of expected. I, I think everyone tuning into ITV probably got their money's worth, didn't they?
1: Well, especially with those Clark goals, my word! Yeah,
0: they were. I, I'd say other than the Kovacic goals, though, those two goals were the best two goals in the game.
1: Yeah, fantastic, and good on Jordan Clark for banging those ones in that was his first goal since the playoff final he had a long road back from injury he had to slot into the team when you know I, I couldn't really see a place for him when he first came back in but now you've got to assume that he's going to be one of the first names on the sheet for aston villa because he played so well and with the injuries dictated what we might or might not be able to do but good on clark clicker well done mate honestly amazing yeah um, I, I, I definitely can
0: see him sort of, you know, uh, until Samby's back, he can definitely fill in in that midfield two slot. I I think he's ideal for that. Potentially, when Samby does come back, he can probably play a bit further upfield as well. He has that intelligence to sort of fluidly move through the midfield. As I was saying to Adam, um, he has that intelligence where if he is playing sort of an inside forward role, he'll, he'll know to drop and hunt out danger and whatnot but so who impressed you from our side yesterday Sai?
1: I thought you know despite everything right and the fact that the scoreline was 6-2 Joe Johnson was amazing yeah I thought for an 18 year old to come on in that kind of pressure he did phenomenally well
0: he did. He did indeed. Uh, he showed great maturity. You know, he created two chances as well. He has a wonderful left foot. haven't seen a, you know, um, a left foot like Alan Kimball, uh, by all accounts. Indeed. Um, you know, two chances. If, if I think it could have been a different story had Morris been in the box or, um, you know, Elijah potentially been in there. But I think he you know, I think it's a sensible decision to have him in and around the, the squad, mostly because
1: or we haven't got anyone else, have we, right now? We get a lot of stick recently for some of our developmental signings and stuff, but people have got to remember, like, we rose very quickly. Some of these development signings we made had the lower leagues in mind when we were getting round to it. So to have Joe Johnson doing what he's doing and being around the Premier League squad, looking like he belongs in the team against just an absolute unit in Man City, is testament to the work being done with him and the future's bright.
0: It is indeed. Like he also won 100% of his tackles. Which was fantastic. He, he maintained an eighty-seven percent pass accuracy, meaning he he didn't he didn't panic when he got the ball. He he got his head up. He looked for the correct pass. The, the fact that he one hundred percent of his tackles as well. There was two tackles, one both of them. Fair play to him. Absolutely love that. Um, and uh, of course, Ross Barkley again. Uh, absolutely, yep, I was going to yeah, get into that. Yeah, again, another <laughs> absolutely sensational performance i don't know how he's got to have you know one of those cameras on him that's 360 degrees i don't know how he saw that pass for clark for the
1: second one amazing he's just such a good player such good tactical awareness and positioning like he's really come into his own now he's one of those players who's had that raw talent you knew it was there you saw glimpses of it but now it's just sustained Every game, you know Ross Barkley is going to do something. And it's such a good thing to have in our team. And I think they is going to pay some dividends when we're not facing the likes of Man City. I think that he's going to do a job. I think that we're going to lay on some goals from him more. So he got two assists yesterday, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, two assists. He poked the ball back to Jordan Clark for the first, where he bent in from outside the box. And then he sort of saw Clark's run. And slipped it into him in the box. Pretty fantastic.
1: I can't wait for Elijah to get back into this team. I heard I got in late, but I did hear someone talk about Elijah, about him popping up at the back post, and you know he's there. We have missed that. Like like you, I've given Corley his criticism. To, uh, like that's all it that ever was, guys. I don't want Corley Woodrow to fail. I want him to do well. You know, but is he what we need at this stage? Maybe not. Is he giving it 100%? Certainly. And given the circumstances, I applaud it. But I am looking forward to Elijah coming in the team. Hashi, maybe as someone else said, or Adam said, pushing Ogbené further up. Hopefully that gives us a little more potency where we're outscoring more than we're conceding. Um, I pointed out on Twitter earlier just how much we miss Tom Lockyer's organisation. Even that small aspect where he just kept people in line. You saw it last season at the championship. We were so well drilled and we could be a little all over the place. And this one-on-one defending, it's maybe taking a little time to settle. But I think if Lockyer was around, it might be going a little bit smoother, personally.
0: I, I, I have to disagree with you there. I don't know how Locks would be in terms of this one-on-one defending because he's not the fastest. There are some absolutely... He's got
1: the positional sense, so I think he'd be all right if he was the man right at the back.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I guess. We don't know right now. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, it's all speculation.
0: Yeah, yeah look, if, if, my, <laughs> if my auntie had wheels, she'd be a bike, wouldn't she? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christian, <laughs> I, I, I see Christian has his hands up. What, what,
1: yeah, let
2: Christian
0: speak, man. It, Christian? I'll, I'll
1: come back in.
2: Um, so, so... Uh, As mentioned earlier, we have a lot of injuries. Uh, I was just going to ask, do you think it's better that we have teams like Forrest and Man United maybe go further in the FA Cup and potentially have our league games against them rescheduled to give us more time to get players um, back to full fitness? Or do you think that's going to be a a detriment to us with it coming to be the end of the season and uh, fixture congestion being a... uh, a concern down the stretch.
0: Look, fixtures are going to get rescheduled regardless. Um, to be honest, I, I, I don't mind if Forrest continue in the cup or go out the cup. You know, they're they're just trying so hard to stay relevant. It looks like they're they're out anyway. Um, yeah, it's done. Fair fair play, Forrest. What what a nice cup run. Um, look, all that matters is. Um, we just got to turn up for our remaining games, especially against the teams directly above us. Like, I, I, as I was going to say, um, after Villa, I would say the three games immediately after Aston Villa are probably the most important games of the season because they they are going to make or break our season. We've actually got Neil here from the For the Love of Paul McGrath Villa pod. Um, Neil, you've got to... Uh, accept the speaker invite so we can preview the
1: the match um ollie i'm gonna listen to the rest of this one mate have a good evening man. yeah
0: good evening good evening
1: yeah, nice good all right neil good to
0: have you on mate how are you going on hey everyone good oh, things good to be here now I've got to ask about the uh the so Paul McGrath he was uh you're obviously Irish and um, Paul McGrath was obviously the best centre back that Republic of Ireland has ever had. So is uh, and he played for Aston Villa. Is that the name of the podcast?
4: I just pick you up on one thing. There, Paul McGrath is the best player the Republic of Ireland ever had. That's how how highly I think of him. But yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, McGrath is just revered around Aston Villa Football Club and and around Irish football in general um commonly known around around Villa Park as God that'll tell you how much Villa fans love him and uh we had the absolute pleasure of interviewing him in front of 300 people on the 3rd of February in a live event here in Ireland so to say my life was made when that happened would be an understatement but yes the podcast is named after who I feel is the best Irish footballer of all time <laughs>
0: that's fantastic <laughs> that's really good um so, how are you feeling ahead of this game?
4: Um, it's it's a bit of a strange one because you know Villa fans at the moment are obviously going through a season that nobody ever thought we would have. Not even the most ardent supporter of of Aston Villa to be in a position where we could have gone top for Christmas. Yeah, we bottled it. Well, not bottled it, but we we just we kind of had white line fever. Maybe I suppose. Uh, against Sheffield United, but we've uh, we had a couple of dodgy results then over the Christmas period. Manchester United, in particular, but we seem to have gotten back up in the horse again, and you know, the club challenging for the top four positions and to get into Europe, considering where we were prior to Niamir coming in, it's just absolutely it's it's outstanding, and it, it just goes to show what what a real top class manager can do uh, to to I suppose turn around the fortunes of a club. And and the reason I, I I mention about that is because three games ago, if we were to play Luton, you know, I I would have a very different demeanor about about uh what my feelings are towards the game for for a lot of different reasons. We had tons of injuries. It seemed like you couldn't open up your your phone and look at Twitter, and somebody else was down with an ACL, or somebody was out after having a freak collision with the post or something like that. And it was just getting really kind of draining because. For once in a lifetime, really, Aston Villa were, 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 were close to getting into the Champions League, and 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 uh, and we know how much that means to, to to clubs, I suppose, from a financial point of view. But we've had some good results against Fulham and against um, against Forest, and you know, Luton won't be an easy game at the weekend by all means, but just this Aston Villa, the character that they seem to have at the moment, and the and the way that they can just kind of pluck victories out of nowhere. Is becoming a trait for this team, and, and and that's why I'm looking forward to this game at the weekend. That things are beginning to kind of the ship is beginning to right again. There's a couple of players back coming back from injury that we didn't expect to come back this quickly, and you know the charge towards the end of the season is going to be difficult, and we need all those guys back, and we're certainly going to need them against Luton at the weekend.
0: Yeah, you're actually competing on two fronts as well, and mm-hmm. after Luton, you got Ajax straight yeah. after, him, like uh, five days later. Do you reckon potentially there may be one eye on the on the Ajax game which which could throw Aston Villa?
4: So that's a tough one to know because we've looted Ajax Spurs Ajax. That's that's the way our fixture of this goes. And Unai Emery is <coughs> how would I put this? He's, He's a, a European who, specialist as well. Well he is, and Ajax are down in their look and, and you know what? Ajax got beaten by um Ezek at the weekend. And, and they got beaten pretty comprehensively. And we dismantled Alkmaar twice this season when we played them in the group stages. But as we know, that doesn't mean anything when it comes to a, a, a game in, in Europe. But Unai you see, it's hard to know what he thinks. He never puts out a team that's going to be completely, completely changed or anything. But when he puts out, when he's been in a, in a press conference, should I say, he's always said, Villa are not, Villa are the seventh best team in the Premier League. He's always kept the expectations low from that point of view, but um, in this instance, uh, I think he's probably going to go for the go for the league and probably rest players against Ajax in the first leg, first leg, and then see what happens then as he goes on. Yeah, that's a
0: very fair point. I think the the best thing that Aston Villa could have done was giving Steven Gerrard the elbow. To be honest, because um, it, it's it's amazing how poor you were last season under him you know what were you you were 17th weren't you at one point
4: yeah yeah, yeah it's absolutely shocking it seems, it seems like a long time ago and uh you know stephen gerrard uh, the bloom came off the rose pretty quickly with him uh we went on a preseason tour to australia pretty soon after that there was rumblings coming out that things weren't going well and Matty Beale had left and Critchley couldn't even go on that pre-season tour to Australia. And Jared was kind of left on his own out there without a right-hand man that he trusted. And things began to become apparent, shall we say, at that stage. And yes, we had a we were beaten for that for that run when uh, we were out in Australia, but we came back and things were never really right for the start of the season. And he gets the boot and then he comes in and then we start to shoot up the table. So it goes to show that sometimes managers are good managers and sometimes players don't become good managers either. But he's in, he did, he did a good job at Rangers and, and he's out in Sony now and more power to him for what he wants to do in the future, but it didn't work out at Aston Villa for sure.
0: But did he do a good job at Rangers? Because he had, um, Michael, no, he had Neil Critchley with him. Now, obviously it didn't work out for Neil Critchley on, um, you know, uh, and, and, uh, And Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa, but I I just, you know, look, I, I think it was just a masterstroke, giving in the boot, bringing in United Emery. He knows, he knows what he's doing, and um, as as well as that, um, I actually said on the post match phone in after we played Villa earlier this season, I said that Villa would get top four because I saw it then
4: from that performance.
0: And yeah, we played
4: months ago, didn't we? Yeah, I can't. I can't remember when it was again, but I remember Villa were pretty giving pretty complete performance that day against Luton, and um, you know it's just so it's just how well drilled this team is. You know how Naimi has a specific style of play. He doesn't plug and play players in. He tweaks it for the players that come in there. Like we've lost Bubakar Kamara, huge, huge uh, part of our midfield. John McGinn has moved back and, and we're in a good position where we have somebody like that, like John McGinn, who will play wherever he wherever he's needed to and do a job. If you need to put him in left back, you can put him in left back. Times last season, we were playing six at the back, he slot in, in either of the full back positions, out of possession, you know. But Emery, when Emery has a plan like that, he knows he's got players he can he can rely on. And when it clicks, it goes really well. Like that game against Luton, what, it clicked and we looked really, really good. Uh, Sheffield United, it clicked, it looked really good. The first half against Forest last weekend was sublime. Like, some of the football we played was just ridiculous. Against Man City this season, we played them off the park. Had, had, had something like, I can't remember what it was, it was like 25 shots in the game and we won 1-0. All right, but we were by far the better team. When Emery's system clicks and when the players start start, uh, start playing well together, they're, they're a really attractive side to watch and to play. And... and you know, a lot of teams have come to Villa Park, specifically, I think, this, this season. And have come away, their fans have come away, and, and there was nothing we could do against them today. Their, their system worked, and and they looked impressive.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting system you have as well, because it, it's sort of just a bog standard four four two. Um But I, I feel, coming up against us this time, we are a different beast from the team that you played last time. Um, for, for one, we played a very conservative back five. Mm. And I feel this time we will be pressing you pretty much all over the park. I don't know if that played your hand. So we played you in at the end of October, 29th of October last year. And that was actually before we sort of found our feet and our identity mm. in the Premier League. Um, But obviously, as well, there were some players that that will be missing as well. Like Tom Locky obviously won't be playing. and Nakamba is is injured. Um, Jacob Brown is injured, and we're kind of thin on the ground. Like, what? what is the perception from Aston Villa's side here that is this a good time to play Luton? What do you think?
4: Um, well, it's it's a hard one to say because. I think it's a good time for us to play Luton solely for the fact that Manchester United play City as well, United being the team below us, well, United and Spurs, the two teams below us, but trying to keep a buffer on on both of them with uh, Spurs play, playing Crystal Palace. I think Emery will be, once again, as I say, will be pragmatic and he feels that he'll need to win this if he is to challenge for a top four position. So I don't think he's going to overlook this. And you guys mentioned that you've got some injuries at the moment, but, you know, arguably, Uh, Lukanga, who's come in in the last few games I've watched you guys in the last few games thought he was brilliant against Manchester United Um, he's looking like the player that Arsenal thought they signed I heard you guys talking earlier on about Ross Barkley we know Ross Barkley very well in the first uh, Dean Smith season when we were it would be um, Liverpool 7-2 Ross Barkley was outstanding and then he got injured and he never refound his form again after that injury but he's playing for you guys like he did for us, you know, pulling the strings in midfield, really getting forward, real attacking and attacking threat, and free. He looks like a free player when he's out there with you guys. Um. So he, I've been really impressed with him as well. And then being Irish, I have to talk about uh, Chidoz so and there on the right. Like you guys said that you played uh, kind of a rigid fo- uh almost five at the back. Obviously, we've got to that wing back system or it, more fluid wing back system with Doughty and 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 Agbeni there. And uh, I think that much more suits you guys watching against Liverpool. I think it was was it when Mel Ben scored first, and like he's just lightning quick. He's going to give everybody fits, no matter who he plays against. And we love to see him here in Ireland. See how he's progressed against uh, progressed for Luton. But um, yeah, f- from an injury point of view, I think I, I think you guys still you know you, the, Rob Edwards has brought in players and has used them within the system, like. Yeah, results haven't gone your way in the last four or five games. But I thought you played really, really well, especially against United. I think you were robbed against United. For Sure, better team that day. Liverpool in the opening stages were very much the better. You were, you guys were a better team. Liverpool came back. They do that against everyone. They're an absolute juggernaut when they get their game going. But you know, the, the I, I'm I'm not as like we were chatting beforehand. And we were messaging back and forth, and um. There's I don't know whether it's the Aston Villa fan in me or whatever, but there's always trepidation whenever you're playing teams because we know where we've been, where we've come from in the last five, ten years probably, that nothing is given against any team. Any team can go and beat Aston Villa 1-0, 2-0. You know, that's the way we've seen it. Forrest caught us, beat us 2-0. We looked extremely ordinary against them um, this season. And and Wolves have just had the hex over us for the last couple of years. You know, we just can't seem to beat them. So, nothing is ever given in the Premier League. You know, you have to go out and play well and, and, and you have to deserve to win, I suppose. Albeit, I think you guys deserve to win against United. No one can beat you, beat United by enough, in my book. But uh, you guys were very unfortunate in that game. And if Ross Barkley had scored that header at the end, I would have been cheering as loud as any one of you guys uh, to draw <laughs> that game up. I be- believe me, you, I, I would have because I fully believe you guys were robbed that day.
0: Yeah. And the. The most annoying thing was the fact that um, for all the stoppages and all the time wasting, mm. they only put four minutes up at the end yeah. of the game as well. Yeah. It's like the inverse of Fergie time, isn't it? Um, uh, and, and our manager actually came out and said, um, Man United are winning, four minutes added on. Uh, and yeah. that obviously went against them as well, because uh, I can't remember, who, were they, who was their last game against um, where they were drawing four. 1-1?
4: Fulham Harry Maguire yeah. it was a Harry Maguire scored like in the 89th minute, and then um, yeah, a Warby.
0: Yeah, exactly. Banging so they the were drawing. Yeah. So naturally, a lot of time is added on. I think
4: yeah.
0: uh, eight or ten minutes was added on, and then they go and lose the game. Like yeah. if, if Man United need time to try and win a game, they get the time added on. If they uh, are trying to close out a game, it you know barely any time goes on. That that's just. Do you find that is just the way it is with big six teams? Uh, they always get the, the 50-50s tend to go in their direction.
4: A hundred percent. It's it, it's, hard it's to, not it, a
0: conspiracy that I've, I've just cooked up in my head, is it?
4: No, it's not. Because I can guarantee you, if you were to get uh, fans of, you know, the four, what we call the 14 other football teams in the Premier League outside the big six, every single one of them would say the exact same thing. We can't all be wrong. That's all I'd say. I like the amount of times Liverpool have drawn with us in the last minute, I'll never forget. Um in our first year back in the Premier League, I think it was, or maybe it was our second year, and uh, Villa beat won nil up And they scored and I think it was the 87th minute. Sadio Mane, I think, might have scored. And then he scores a header from a corner in like the 91st minute to beat us 2-1. It was just devastating. And of course, Federico Mikeda scores that goal against Villa in like the 95th minute. Back in thousand and nine, I think it was, and he doesn't barely kick a ball for the rest of his football career. Like I've seen it so many times that the that the the so-called big six teams or so-called bigger teams, they just get that rubber green in last uh, or in injury time to you know to scupper any plans or any any uh, any potential upsets that you get. And I don't know whether it's because you know they believe they want, they can score at any time or whether they. There, there's an aura around them, or whatever, or whatever. It's just a case of play on till they score, but it does seem does tend to happen more often than not.
0: Yeah, well, we got um, Michael Oliver, as the man in the middle for our game. So yeah. I think he is probably one of the better officials.
4: <laughs> I can I can see my co-host from the podcast inside here in, in listening into this, <laughs> and he he basically he's not a fan of referees. And I don't think he's a fan of Michael Oliver either. Um look, I'll be honest with you, I'm uh, I, I'm I'm agnostic towards a lot of referees at the moment. I think they're all gonna make mistakes at this stage. Um and uh Michael Oliver is no different. He's a man for the T V cameras too. Um and look, I suppose we just you, you go out go out in a game like this and you just hope that whatever if he does make a mistake, it isn't egregious and it isn't doesn't ruin the game or it doesn't it isn't completely egregious that it ruins somebody's chances, or that somebody look back at this at the end of the year and say, "Well, Villa didn't get Champions League because he gave a penalty and sent Fell off. He sent he gave a penalty and sent Pau Torres off, or something like that." And and then they were missing him for the next two games, and Villa lost two one to to Luton. You know, I'd hope that there isn't anything like that that would sour it, or maybe Villa get a dodgy penalty and and Luton end up losing. I don't know Osho for. Three games because of misconduct or something. It was just completely VAR just made this decision and then Ville have a penalty and win 2 1. And then Luton end up going down because they don't have one of their centre halves for the run in and, and they've, lost, they've lost out in a point that they might have got from this game in a, in a condensed bottom half of the season. So that's kind of where I am with it. And I know it's a very diplomatic answer for me, but realistically, like my heart at hearts, I hope in this run in, there's so much running, there's so much involved for Luton and there's so much involved from Villa this season that I just hope there isn't a mistake in it, that really the people look back at the end of the year because we, we had situations like that before. Kevin Friend, I will never forget the name Kevin Friend as long as I live, first year back in the back in the, the Premier League and um, Jack Grealish gets fouled, the ball ro- falls to Henry Lansbury, he sticks it in the back of the net, Kevin Friend pulls back the play, books Grealish for a dive and disallows the goal. And we're all screaming at the TV. In a year where we very, very nearly went down, we're all screaming at the TV going, this guy is incompetent. Like So that's kind of where I fall and, and, and a lot of referees that if there is a mistake, let's just hope it isn't one that has a big effect towards the end of the season because we're getting towards the end of the season now and every mistake will will be big and and it will be costly for clubs.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm with you with that. I, I, look, I hope it's is refereed as, as well as possible Considering we've seen some absolutely shocking refereeing performances this season at Kelleworth Road, um, there's no way that he's going to take the top spot from David Coote. He was our referee against oh. like, Absolutely shocking. Asim <laughs> Taylor wasn't great either yesterday either. Like, there, there was one time when he played. David Coote is uh, the
4: worst. David Coote he, is absolutely bad. the worst. Yeah.
0: But how about this? So we had an offside and. Anthony Taylor yesterday played an advantage from our offside whereby Man City nearly went up the other end and scored so the ball hadn't even gone out of play but it was it was an offside he played an advantage and unless there was a foul on the halfway line um you know they they probably would have gone up the other end and scored from you know it should have been a dead ball situation look the state of referees we, we can't you know we we could we could talk for hours about the state of referees, but. Neil, can I get a score prediction
4: from you? I am going to say, I think Villa are going to win. I do think Villa are going to win. I don't think it's it's going to be an easy game. Um, I'm going to go, Villa have a punch out for conceding. We do, we, we, we concede goals. Um, we concede one goal, but I'm going to say Villa are going to score early and Villa are going to win 2-1. Okay, I think we've got two what? nil up, and then we'll concede, we concede in after the 78 minutes. Okay, so do you think you'll go two up?
0: You'll you'll yeah. go up early, but then you'll add a second, and then we'll come back with a we'll put, put apply some pressure
1: to you.
4: Yeah, we we are the kings of uh, the nervous last 10 minutes. Absolutely, even under Emery recently as well, we've been the kings of nervous last 10 minutes. So even against uh, Forrest... Screening yeah. against Forest for a score one before for uh, halftime, score one directly after halftime, and straight away the finger is tightening. Like you know, you are going Jesus. Like how do we let it? How are we going to let a tree go and slip? It's it's ingrained in us as Villa fans to have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that's good because we're the king of uh,
0: conceding early goals as well. So okay. you know, it's quite mutualistic then. Well, <laughs> right okay. when you said Villa would score an early goal, I was like, oh god, not this again! <laughs> Please
4: no. <laughs> I think we've scored the most goals in the first twenty minutes in the Premier League. I think it might even be the most goals in all of Europe's top five leagues. I think. Oh because... my god! You're telling me this before the game?
0: Oh, oh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not looking
4: forward to this now. <laughs> <laughs> There's some stat, stat out about it today. I can't remember. Avfc stato. He's a guy on Twitter. He's a absolute encyclopedia for Villa statistics. Um. L- Finally, he's getting to talk about some good ones because there was a couple of years where he was only putting on bad statistics because that's all we had. But he had something up today, something to, uh, similar to that, that we've scored something like 30 goals in the first 20 minutes of games this season or something. Yeah, something ridiculous anyway. Oh, crikey. I guess, look, we'll, we'll see what happens at the game. We have <laughs> one of those as
0: well, Luton Town Facts and Figures. Like everyone here, I recommend you go follow Luton Town Facts and Figures Uh, The guy helps me out with, um, he's my co-admin on the Hatter's Heritage Twitter page. He is fantastic. The stuff he comes out with is amazing. Neil, thank you so much for your time and for previewing the game with us. Absolutely love it. Thank you very much.
4: No, thank you very much, guys, for having me on.
0: And I guess that's us done for this week. You can listen back to everything from We Are Losing Town across all podcast providers and our YouTube. Check out our socials: We Are Losing Town on Facebook, We Are Losing Town on Twitter, The Walk Podcast on Twitter. We're on TikTok, Instagram, WhatsApp, Discord, and Reddit. Follow across all socials. To be involved in monthly giveaways, including Blackstar Fly Three M. Give that a retweet because that's going, uh, that's being picked tomorrow, and we have a giveaway for a town shirt right now as well. Thank you all for tuning in. Come on, you monsters. Sports Social Podcast Network.